Good Tuesday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us on The Jerry and Jerry Show. We are live on all social channels and wherever you get your podcasting content. And today's show puts a spotlight on Virginia basketball and Virginia football. We're in this unique period, exam break, where there's not much going on on the hardwood, and of course the football season is over. Have no fear, a lot of news is very near. We'll talk transfer portal. We'll talk Virginia hoops from an underclassman standpoint. I'm going to ask the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer which underclassman has the most upside. And think about that question. You have Ryan Dunn, an NBA lottery pick, who may not be the clear-cut answer because Mr. Gertrude is out in absolute fire because you got a, um, a Buchanan who's in fuego. you got a Leon Bond who's in fuego. And let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, a sharpshooter called Isaac McNeely. On today's talk show, we will highlight the transfer portal. We'll talk the impact of Chris Tyree coming from Notre Dame. His NIL value is astronomical. We'll try to put a dollar amount on Chris Tyree's market value from a transfer portal and NIL standpoint. The Jerry and Jerry Show is live wherever you get your podcasting content, and it stars the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. 40-plus years on the beat. Judah Wickhauer, if we can go to the studio camera, and then let's welcome Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe to the show. I'm excited. we got a lot of content to cover. I know this uh, basketball is in an exam break, and the football season is over, but our notebook's chock full of content, Hootie. Uh, football, college football and basketball is a year-round thing now. It's, it's not like it used to be when the season was over and you could pretty much – Forget football until February when you had a signing date, and then on into April when spring practice started. It's with the transfer portal and NIL and, and all of the other stuff going on these days and recruiting, uh, the uptick in recruiting. Uh, it's year round. Basketball's the same way. And uh, uh, it was amazing. You know, sometimes you'll think in the spring and summer, uh, how am I going to? attract readers or listeners etc but uh the way the college sports world is now there's no downtime really and uh so it, it, we get sometimes we get more readership in the off season than we do during the season kyle miller welcome to the broadcast viewers and listeners join us with the discussion by leaving your comments on social media i will read them live on air you got bronco Hall inking a contract with new mexico since we last did our talk show you got, as expected, Chris Tyree coming from Notre Dame to UVA. Tyree looks like he could be a Malik Washington clone. We have Isaac McNeely, a, a jump shooter of, of Kyle Guy and Joe Harris proportions. I can't believe I'm saying this. Maybe even better and Kyle Guy and Joe Harris, at least statistically at this point of the season. This guy's clipping one out of two shots from downtown. It's, it's getting to the point with Isaac McNeely when he shoots and it doesn't go in. I'm surprised. Yeah, no question. And that's rare to say. <clears throat> um, why don't we start with the first talking point and I'll get out of your way. Maybe we'll play a little devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show. Reese Beekman versus Isaac McNeely. Who is the most important player to this basketball team, Hootie? It's it's a good it's a good question. Something that you could talk about for ad nauseum, probably. But um, 
And it, it's uh, intriguing because they're two different types of players, obviously, and they bring different things to the table. And both of them would be a good argument for MVP of this team at this point in the season because Reese is such a great defender and a senior leader and can do so many things with the ball. He's a great assist guy. He doesn't turn Defense over. Defensive player of the year. Yeah. And, and then you got McNeely, who has developed. He's more athletic than he was last year. He's less reluctant to pull the trigger than he was last year. He deferred to the upperclassmen last year offensively. Uh, but he he moves better now. Uh, he's a better defender now. And he, he's added a little bit more to his repertoire offensively in that he's not only a three-point shooter, but that's what he does best. <laughs> and there's nobody in the country, maybe one guy. I haven't looked at the stats today, but as of the last time they played, he was shooting 58%. <laughs> From bonus fear, baby. Uh, there's not many guys out there who can do that. No. Those are Tony Bennett kind of numbers back from when he played at Green Bay. But, uh, I mean, my gosh. Uh, it was funny that um, <clears throat> after the game against uh, North Carolina Central the other night, we were talking to Elijah Gertrude, the sensational freshman from Jersey City, about McNeely and, and he just shook his head and he said he said man he's an alien <laughs> he said I don't know where he's from but he said when he gets hot like that we just you know we just ride the wave and he said I, I've never seen anybody like that it could just pop a shot it's like pop a shot you know and he's except he's from 20 feet away 20 some feet away and, and he has the green light whenever he wants to he, yeah, bright, bright green. Yeah, and, yeah, especially in transition, and that's where you separate a lot of three-point shooters. A lot of guys can hit that spot up, spot up, yeah, uh, catch and shoot. But you know, to stop in transition and nail it like he does, that's that's rare. That's rare air. I'll give you McNeely's stats, and Hootie knows these better than anyone. Fifty-eight point one percent from downtown. from the free throw line, 49.3% from the floor. He's Virginia's leading scorer at 12.9 points a contest, three rebounds a game, 1.6 dimes a game, nearly half a steal and half a block a contest. Here's an intriguing statistic for me. 29 minutes for McNeely, just under 29 minutes for Reese Beekman. So these guys' stats are nearly identical. They had the same amount of rebounds of contests. McNeely's averaging about a point, point and a half more than Beekman. Of course, Beekman, the point guard, is going to have more assists. He's just under six dimes a contest. Beekman really gets it with the steals and blocks categories, with three steals a contest, nearly a block a contest. And his assist-to-turnover ratio, I'll stack it up against anyone with what Beekman's doing. Yeah. Basically six to one here. So who is the most important? Reese Beekman or Isaac McNeely on this team. I'm putting Hootie Ratcliffe on the hot seat. You are putting me on the hot seat. And I don't think I could be wrong with either one of them. But as as much as I know how much Tony Bennett values defense and protecting the basketball, I still think you got to score. And that's why I would lean – 
toward McNeely in that department because the last two games he scored 22 points in both games and got Virginia. I mean, he, he just killed North Carolina Central. He had four three-pointers in three and a half minutes. That game was over. It was over. Um, he's not going to do that every game, obviously, but if he can make that kind of an impact in the first half, I I don't think Virginia will be as plagued as they have been in some games where they've started slow over the years or had those long scoring droughts that Virginia fans just are just uh, expecting and, and just saying, when's it going to come? You may not have that if he can continue to shoot the way he has. And I'm just a strong believer that you got to, you got to make points. Uh, Chuck Daly, the, the, the great coach, um, rest in peace. Detroit a, Pistons it, head coach, world yeah. champion, U.S. Olympic coach. Yeah, great, great coach. And uh, one of his favorite sayings was that great shooting um, makes up for a multitude of sins. And I believe that's true. I mean, you can have other parts to your – game or your team that that may uh, you may not be able to rely on as much but if you can shoot the eyes out of it and and Tony makes a good point sometimes it's your shooting's not going to be there but if you have a guy like McNeely and, and he's getting the looks that you are hoping he's getting you're never out of it I, I wouldn't think I, I think I think he's I think he needs to be scoring 18, 19 points a game, something like that, um, and getting more shots. And, and he, is that's what I get, think. he is starting to get more shots. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I concur a thousand percent. I think McNeely should be leading the team in shots. Currently, he is, and I'm looking at the stats right now, second. Beekman's got 87 attempts on the season to McNeely's 71. And to Hootie's point, he's starting to get more shots. And I think Coach Bennett, and granted, he knows more basketball than, than, than just about anyone on the planet. When McNeely's stroking the jump shot and he's proficient from downtown, it opens up the game for everybody. Mm-hmm. It opens up the interior for Dunn to crash the boards. It opens up the interior and driving lanes for Beekman to create off the dribble. Um, it makes Buchanan better. It makes Bond better. Gertrude clearly is a guy that wants to attack off the rack now as his jump shot is a work in progress. Um, I echo what you say, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and granted we're early in the season. I think McNeely's the most important player on this team, and I understand the importance of a point guard, of a, of a defensive player of the year, of a, of a senior leader. Um, of a guy that has his ball in crunch time, of a guy that's hit game-winning shots on the road Mm -hmm. and Reese Beekman. But this team is a different program and a different um, animal when McNeely is shooting, making half his shots from downtown, Hootie. Absolutely. And like you said, he makes everybody else on the floor better or more effective, including Beekman. I mean, it allows him to just destroy other teams with – his drive or his ability to dish to other people to um, get some alley-oops to some of his teammates. We haven't seen a lot of that, but I think we'll see more of that as we go. Um, It's just so – how many times over the years watching ACC ball or or whatever, and your team is – 
playing well and doing everything it can, but the other team has a red-hot three-point shooter that you can't stop him, and it 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 just kills your team. And I mean, that's 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 him. That's he's that guy. And if if he can continue to play like this, uh, sky's the limit. I, it really is. I mean, he he can just destroy defenses if he's on his game and Virginia's never really out of it if you have a guy who can shoot like that and if they're focusing on everything they have defensively on trying to stop him then as you mentioned it's opening up other people so it it just makes Virginia so hard to defend the other the, I guarantee you the uh, the game plans are include at all times it's like where's Waldo where's McNeely we gotta we gotta make sure we know where he is at every moment of the game. Uh, Melanie Menifee watching on Twitter, giving you some props. The Cavalier Connection, uh, the podcast watching us right now, giving you some props. Larry Redwing, giving you some props. I count eight different states watching the program right now. Viewers and listeners, if you have a question for Hootie, put them on the social media channels you're watching upon. I will relay them live on air. Logan Wells Claylo, thank you for watching the program. We appreciate your, your support of all our shows. James Watson, hello. Ginny Hu, hello. Vanessa Parkhill, hello. Thank you kindly for watching the show. I'll throw this Isaac McNeely question to you, and it's a challenging one. Is he the best jump shooter of the Tony Bennett era? That's tough because there's been some really good ones, uh, particularly Joe Harris and Kyle Guy. Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome is underrated in that area, especially as deep as he could shoot him. McNeely's starting to expand his range to to where he can match Jerome in that department. Um, it remains to be seen right now. He's at this point of the season. He's ahead of anybody in since in the Tony Bennett era in terms of his numbers. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see if it strings out to the end. But uh, he's right up there. I mean, it, it would be hard to argue against him. Joe Harris has gone on to become <laughs> one of the best three-point shooters in in NBA history, let alone college basketball history. Also had the benefit, Joe Harris, of being a bit taller than Isaac McNeely. True. Uh, and then Kyle Guy was didn't have that advantage. Right. And that's probably why he's playing in Europe. In Europe. Of the NBA. Right. Not a lot of six one six two point or uh, two guards out there. Right. In the NBA. And so um, that that has hurt some. Some Virginia shooters in the past, they didn't have that size. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could argue he's just as good at this point in his career as anybody. As I'll, anybody I'll take career. it a step further for you. Does Isaac McNeely, does he still have uh, proof of performance? Does he still need to prove something to you to be positioned in the category of, say, a Curtis Staples? Wow. I don't know if he'll get as many opportunities as, as Staples because uh, Jeff Jones turned him loose. <laughs> and wisely so. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know that Tony will give him that that much of a green light, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he his career goes in, in that respect. Uh, Staples was a machine. He was a machine. and Grew up watching that guy. I mean, he, he was just phenomenal. Uh 
who knows? McNeely could develop into that kind of guy. And he's, I think he's bigger than Staples. I'm not sure he's quite as athletic as Staples was. But um, it'll be fun to watch him develop. I, I, mean, I, I fell in love with this kid when he was back at Poco, West Virginia, and just listening to stories about him from his coach. And, uh, I mean, as soon as their high school season was over, his senior year at Poco when he was uh, he led them to the state championship was the essentially the Mr. Basketball for the state of West Virginia for the second year in a row. I think the last guy in that state who won that who won the MVP of the of the state was um, Randy uh, Randy Moss. Um, he had a pretty good pro career in football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also on his high school team. Jason Williams. That's right. White chocolate. That's right. Um, but as soon as, as soon as that high school season was over, uh, the coach put down the tape on the floor for the college three-point line, and McNeely went to work on uh, expanding his shot to a little bit more length. And, and now he's, he's shooting from NBA range and beyond at, at some points. So uh, the kid just works so hard. And he, he's just he's such a good kid. I mean, he is such a good kid. One of my sponsors, the Good Feet Store, um, they like to do some NILs with Virginia athletes. And uh, Jonathan Cotton is a guy who will only go after certain guys. And, and McNeely is his kind of guy. He, he's just, just a solid kid in every aspect. Um, Isaac McNeely, guys, we'll follow him closely. I want to repeat this statistic to the viewers and listeners. He is shooting 58.1% from downtown right now. Just absolutely fantastic uh, production from Bonusphere for this Virginia men's basketball player. This leads us to our next topic of the show, which underclassman has the most upside. Now, McNeely is a second year, so he is still technically, he's obviously an underclassman. He did get a lot of minutes last year. Ryan Dunn got some minutes last year. There are three other under, underclassmen that did not see minutes last year that are getting key minutes this year, Gertrude, Bond, and Buchanan. So if you look at the freshman and sophomore class, I mean, this team excites me so much this year. But the future is obscenely bright really for Virginia is. men's basketball <laughs> when you look at the underclassmen um, and the minutes that they're getting right now. So I'll start open-ended with you. Which underclassman has the most upside? Who do you rack with? It's, it's hard to think of McNeely as an underclassman, <laughs> even right. though he's only been here for a year. Um, he seems like he's been around for a long time. But obviously his upside is phenomenal. Um, Ryan Dunn is in a league of his own. I mean, he's already being talked about as a, a first-round draft pick. Lottery pick. And he's he's barely into his sophomore year. And he's just scratching the surface. I mean, to say Ryan Dunn is raw is an understatement. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that, it's, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, we knew he was special last year when the comparisons came to DeAndre Hunter early on, uh, just in his first couple of games. And and that just continued to grow, even though he didn't get a lot of playing time last year. And he 
just shows you flashes of brilliance every time he's on the floor. But um, uh, who was it the other day? I think Leon Bond said, he said, man, when we got Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn out there, we've got the two best defenders in the country on the floor at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, and Dunn does it on both ends of the floor. Absolutely. I, I think his scoring will get better as he becomes more comfortable and begins to mature. But uh, his defense and rebounding and shot blocking um, is phenomenal. Um, it, it would be hard to argue that he doesn't have the brightest upside just because of that overall talent. Tony Bennett calls it continuous or uh, a complete player um, who can do it do everything that you need from a guy to guard multiple positions, incredible jumping ability. Uh, I think Isaac McNeely, this is, this is crazy to say, and viewers and listeners hear me out. I think Isaac McNeely is going to be the better college, the best college player of the current underclassmen. But he that's may, a good point. But he may have the least NBA upside of the current underclassmen. Because Bond is a lottery, or uh, Dunn is a lottery pick. I would not be surprised if Gertrude and, uh, and Bond um, tickled the fancy of an NBA team with their athleticism, their reach, their length, their mm-hmm. height, their explosiveness. McNeely's got the jump shot. He may not have the NBA athleticism and explosiveness. And at 6'3", 6'4", there are a lot of 6'3", 6'4", sharpshooters that play the, the two-guard position in the NBA. There are a lot of 6'3", 6'4", sharpshooters in the world yes. that play basketball. Right. There's not a lot of folks like Ryan Dunn who are 6'8", 6'9", with 7-plus wingspan that can jump out of the gym and are just scratching the, sur- the surface as a sophomore in college. That's, that's very true. That's very true. And, and I'm, I'm sure that's something that McNeely will try to work on is becoming more athletic, more fluid. Um, but you're right. And, and, you know, a guy like him is will probably be branded as a, a spot-up shooter for an NBA team. So that, that limits him to some degree, although each, any team that has a weapon like that uh, becomes a, a harder team to beat. But you're, you're right, the athletic – athleticism aspect of it is, is you, you can't ignore that. It's just uh, some guys are just incredibly athletic, and you, you can't coach that. It's just they're born with it. And, and Dunn is high end. And we're yet to see what Gertrude and, and Bond are going to be. They're, they're just scratching the surface right now. Uh, Gertrude... Uh, he was he was just killing it in practice on the green team, and and this was before Dante Harris got hurt, and, and Tony Bennett and his staff were talking to each other about it. How, how can we keep this guy off the floor? He's he's just so good. He's so athletic. He can do everything. He can do everything. Yeah, and he's he's everything that we heard that he was going to be. Uh, explosive, elevates so quickly. Uh, he showed us the other day he could shoot the three. Uh, finally hit one, <laughs> and that will come. Uh, but he, he's so quick, and he's uh, 
he's so athletic. It's just scary athletic. And Bond, I think he's he's developing quickly. Uh, his defense will get better as as we go. But he's he's also a very athletic guy, and with he and Bond on the floor at the same time, both those guys can rebound. Both of them can block shots, intimidate. Um, Tony Bennett's just if he can keep these guys around for a while, I, I really think that we might see him in another Final Four in the next year or two. I mean, you, or three. I, viewers and listeners, I want you to think about this. This team has got Sweet 16, Elite 8, potential. Potential. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's got potential for that kind of upside this year. Think about next year's team. Next year's team, you have Gertrude and McNeely in the backcourt. You got Bond and Dunn in the front court. If Dunn comes back, we don't know if he'll flirt with the NBA and get drafted in the, the lottery. Very well could. Probably will. If Probably he's, will. If he's a lottery pick. Yeah. He will leave. You got Buchanan putting on some muscle in the uh, front court. You got Rody. Rody's got Moxie. Yes, he does. This guy's this guy is a winner. He's got Moxie. He's got underrated height at six six, and he sees he sees plays before they develop. Good passer. Great passer. Great mm-hmm. court awareness. You got Dante Harris. I'm about to ask you where the minutes going to come from Dante Harris, the Big East Tournament MVP, the Georgetown transfer, who everyone in Wahoo Nation was high on. It looks like his minutes may have gone to Gertrude or may be taken by Gertrude as Harris is dealing with an ankle injury. I mean, this team is sick. Yeah, and, and they've got more talent. Coming, coming in. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a, a shooter from Canada who can shoot the eyes out of it. Uh, another big kid from California coming in who had West Coast teams frothing at the mouth at the possibilities of what he can do inside, post-up scorer, strong rebounder, shot blocker. And, and who knows what they might find in the transfer portal, but um, – and the the one thing I've noticed in the last couple of years, talking about all these kids that you just mentioned, their recruiting has gone up. Oh, big time! Yeah, I mean they're they don't look at it, hardly anybody. It's not a four star now, and they've been in it for some of the best players in the country. And has, unfortunately, has, too many of them have gone to Duke. But uh, has Coach Bennett shifted his recruiting focus? I think he's just. Getting in the door with more really high high end players now okay. that, that he's he's disproven the negative recruiting that for years people use against him that with the pack line and the slow down pace yeah they say you go there you you can't go to the NBA well that's that's, that's not true right that's baloney he's that's got, baloney yeah uh, almost as many as as just about anybody mm-hmm. except for. Kentucky and some of those, but uh, you can't win a national championship. He destroyed that myth. Uh, Tony's not going to be there. Well, he's 15 years now. Uh, we don't know how much longer he'll continue, continue to coach. He'll probably do it as long as he's as he wants to. As he wants to. Yeah. Uh, he won't be one of these guys that coaches. I don't think into his mid 70s yeah, or anything no. like that. I don't but, think so. Um, I think. 
you know, people are, are giving them looks now that, that might not have in the past. And, and the word is out. Uh, there's been all kinds of polls in recent years that the best coaches in America, he's right there. Uh, everybody considers him a future Hall of Famer. Uh, he's one of the faces of the ACC, whether he wants to be or not. I, I think it's a reluctant uh, thing on his part. Um, you know, the, there was a poll a few years ago, what college coach would you want your son to play for? And he won, he won that hands down. So, you know, the word is out now that you can come to Virginia, you can go to the NBA, you can win a national title, you can flourish – uh, in that system, no, you're not going to average 25 points a game, but you, you're going to get enough opportunities to where anybody in the NBA who's looking is, is going to know who you are. Um, viewers and listeners, let us know your questions. We'll relay them live on air. I got this comment coming in from Jonathan, who's watching in Richmond, Virginia, at his work. He says, uh, my cubicle and the one next to me are watching your boys right now at work. Please discuss this. We think Elijah Gertrude has the most upside. He'll be a point guard with the ball in his hands. He's got maybe the best jumping ability on the team. He can slash to the rack with anyone. We know Dunn's a lottery pick, but Gertrude looks like an NBA point guard waiting to happen at 6'4", 6'5", with leaping ability. That's a very good point. And I don't disagree with any of that. Um, in high school, he was more of a two and a three, but he's been working a lot at one, uh, particularly since Harris got hurt. But he was doing that some even before Harris got hurt. And like I said, on the green team, he was playing so well that you, you just couldn't ignore it. And they decided, we, we, can't, we can't keep the red shirt on this kid. He's just too good. And I think they were waiting to see because um, in high school, I mean, the, the guy was just phenomenal. Um, I think I've said on the show before, Doug Smith, that fresh, call him fresh, uh, that played for Jeff Jones here in the 90s, um, lives in Jersey City. And he told me about this kid before Virginia's started recruiting him and said, I, you know, I think Virginia could get him if they come after him. And he told the Virginia coaches that, and, and they gave him a look and were blown away. But uh, Doug kept talking about how athletic this kid was. He's, he said, we've never had anybody like him. And I said, yeah, that, that covers a lot of ground. Yeah. Because there's been some cool. fabulous players here. And, uh, you know, he kept comparing I said, He's the most athletic. I said, what do you mean when hadn't had anybody like that? He said, he's more athletic than anybody. I said, Justin Anderson? He yeah. said, yeah, he's more athletic than Justin Anderson. And that, I had to see it to believe it. But I, I looked up some videos of the kid and <laughs> what those guys in Richmond sitting at their cubicles said is right. I mean, he, and I, I talked to his coach, high school coach, and he said, he said he's. It's just so effortless. It's like Superman in the, those movies where he just elevates without trying, and he gets up so quickly and is so explosive. We're, we're going to see incredible things by him in the next few years in JPJ. Uh, I, one of my favorite things was to watch Justin Anderson race down the court from behind, 
and somebody th- going in thinking they had an easy layup or a dunk or something, and here comes Anderson out of nowhere and slaps their shot ten rows up into the stands. We're going to see that same thing from this kid. And uh, you talk about some alley-oop opportunities. If uh, I mean, he'll at point guard, he'll be doing most of the passing, but it'll be interesting to see him on the other end of some of those because his and, and fast break dunks is going to bring the house down uh, before before he's through here. I got a tough question for you. Um, Dante Harris, the Big East Georgetown transfer, who Coach Williford called the best on-ball defender maybe in his time at UVA, said maybe a better on-ball defender, his words, not mine, right. than Kia Clark. On the talk show. Yeah. You lined up that guest, one of the best guests we've had. I'll throw this to you. Um, where are his minutes going to go now? He's coming off an ankle injury that's lingering. Is it a high ankle? I believe so. High ankles, you and I both know this, they linger. And, and they do not heal quickly, especially for a point guard that has to get in and out of cuts as an on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. Are his minutes gone the way of Gertrude? That's... I think it's too early to say that because he had made an impression on the staff before Gertrude even got here. But, you know, Tony likes to split up those backcourt minutes and use guys, but I, I'm certainly, I'm certain that it's going to be impacted by Gertrude's uh, ability to, to just do everything. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's going to be relegated to the bench um, for time on end, but uh, I, I imagine his minutes will be split some for sure. Uh, I think we haven't seen the best of Harris yet uh, on the offensive end. You know, talking to Curtis Staples, uh, who was his high school coach, this kid can fill it up. And, and he sh- he showed that at times at Georgetown. But um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Tony handles that going forward. And one of the beauties of this team is they've got depth and they can use that as an advantage. I think I, I don't think there's as many good teams in the ACC from top to bottom this year. They're, it's pretty top-heavy again, I think. And so the... There will be opportunities there for Tony to play multiple guards for a good amount of minutes. Uh, so I, I wouldn't completely write Harris off at this point, but I, I'm sure his court time will be somewhat diminished just because Gertrude is just so good. He has so, so much upside, it's it's scary. Um, Kevin Yancey's watching in Waynesboro. He asked, is it time for a three-guard offense? I mean, in a lot of ways, they are playing a three-guard offense. And sometimes they're playing a four-guard offense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes it's done on the floor with four guards around him. Yeah. Uh, Groves sometimes has been playing the five. Sometimes Dunn might slip into that a little bit. But, um, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure they're going to face a lot of giant teams like sometimes in the past. Duke and North Carolina worry me. Yeah, they have big dudes with Baycott and 
Philip Philip Kowski, the reigning Phillip, player Phillip of the Kowski, year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a couple other teams that have some big men. Florida State always has big men, but I'm not sure they have the uh, quality that they've had in the past. But um, so it, against teams like that, they'll have to find a way. They'll have to play bigger. But I think Tony likes the idea of playing three and four guards at a time because you got more guys that can handle the ball, more guys who can shoot it, more guys who can play in your face defense for the most part. So, uh, yeah, the, the time has already come. Questions coming in. Um, this Kevin has a follow-up question. We'll get to the questions in a matter of moments. I see half a dozen. Um, he says, it sounds like Gertrude is a perfect swing man. Gertrude, I mean, it's – Tony Bennett has an abundance of riches right now. We went from a team last year where we were struggling to find a post player, struggling to – Gardner was our own post player, our only post player. Mm -hmm. We went with a team last year where we couldn't throw the ball into the ocean at times, certainly not from a jump shooting standpoint, to now you got perimeter scoring, you got post scoring, you got fast break scoring. You can make a legitimate argument that Dunn's the best defensive player in the conference, and that's no knock on Reese Beekman, but it's the fact that Dunn is longer and lengthier and can jump He's getting more blocks. What do they call them? The uh, swaks? Yeah. You know, the combination of the steals and the blocks mm -hmm. that they keep track Stocks. of? Stocks. Stocks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you, Hootie. Stocks. Um, this team is absolutely loaded. How about this question that's come for you? Is Dante Harris, when he returns to the uh, team, going to be the clear backup to Beekman? Because I don't see him getting on the floor at any other position on this, on this uh, team. I don't see Beekman's minutes getting cut that much, do you? No, they're not going to cut Beekman's minutes. If anything, all. they'll increase. Yeah, one, especially when they get into the nitty-gritty of it. Um, you, you can't take him off the floor very much because he's your leader. Um, he can do so many things. You can't afford to have him. You, I mean, he'll get some breathers, but unless he gets in foul trouble, he'll he'll be on the floor most of the time. Um Again, I, I think, you know, Tony likes to use that depth to his advantage because he can wear down the other team's backcourt uh, with three or four guards that can play on both ends of the floor. So, you know, and, and one thing about this, this is a pretty good defensive team that's getting better. And as you mentioned, in terms of the fast break points, this, this team can get out in transition a whole lot better because – one, they're more athletic, and two, because of that defense, because they block shots, because they steal the ball so much, they can get out and run and pull up and hit those threes like we were talking about, those transition threes, or just go in for easy layups. So that's something that not a lot of Tony's teams have been able to do either. This this is a much more athletic team than than some of the teams he's had in the past. Do you think, and throw this to you, do you think Bennett, Coach Bennett has um, loosened the reins or loosened the leash when it comes to the team getting up and down the floor in transition? I do, and, and I think that's because of those two very things, because 
they are so effective on the defensive end and there are more opportunities to run. And if if he gets if you know, Tony doesn't mind a team that can get up and down the floor as long as they play good defense and he he enjoys seeing the fast breaks and and all that. Uh, it's it's not like he's going to tell them if they have a fast break opportunity to pull it up and work it around. So yeah, he has loosened the reins in that aspect because this this is such an athletic team. He's got so many guys out there that have a different level of athleticism than than the majority of his teams have had. Um, the old ball coach, Donald Marcella, I love this comparison. I love this comparison. He says, I, Mac, Isaac McNeely, is Jerry West reincarnated, both West Virginia boys. They are both West Virginia boys. And Virginia's had some good shooters, some good scorers from West Virginia. Uh, Buzzy Wilkerson comes to mind, who still has some records over there. <laughs> and he, uh, he was playing in the... Uh, 40s and 50s before the ACC even evolved and, and ushered helped usher EVA into the ACC. Uh, I got to know Buzzy um, back years ago, and uh, just an incredible offensive guy. Um, they even had some guys in his era and before from West Virginia who were uh, really good offensive players. It's a tough comparison. I mean. Jerry West, we're talking about the logo. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I respect what he's saying here because of the I, I West do, Virginia ties. Too. Yeah. I do too. He's the logo. Um, I mean, who knows? He, he could end up being the best player from the state of West Virginia since Jerry West. Who knows? I, I mean, I, I don't know who. We had Hot Rod Hundley and uh, Rod Thorne and a couple other guys uh, in not so many in recent years that were pretty good, but um, that's something to keep your eye on for certain in, in the future. I, I, somebody told me, I, I haven't been able to verify this. I, I'll have to get my friend Jonathan Coleman to ask Jerry West because uh, Jonathan wrote the book on Jerry West, West by West. If, if, you, like, uh, if you like the L.A. Lakers, uh, particularly during their heyday, um, you need to give that book a read. It's a fabulous look at Jerry West and the Lakers from those days. But um, I'll have to ask him to to ask West what he thinks of McNeely. It, it would be interesting to see uh, his evaluation. We got uh, we got live action um, Northeastern Saturday, John Paul Jones Arena, six o'clock tip. That should be cruise control win. Should the, be. The real one we're watching is a week from today in Memphis. This Memphis men's basketball team, Hootie, they're no joke. No, not at all. 7 2 overall. Their losses to Ole Miss on the road and Villanova in Memphis. The Tigers have beaten Texas AM. The Tigers have beaten VCU. They beat Arkansas. They beat Michigan. The Tigers face Clemson on Saturday. Clemson's a top 15 team. One of the few unbeatens left. One of the few unbeatens left. Then they host Virginia a week from today. National television, ESPN2, 7 o'clock tip. 
I'll ask you this question, and I think Wahoo Nation already knows the answer. How legit are the Tigers? They're very legit. Like you said, they're 7-2. and two. They moved into the top 25 for, I think, the first time this year. They're number 23, three spots behind Virginia. Um, they have a, an incredible uh, shooter, three-point shooter, David Jones. He's a 6-6 transfer from St. John's. He had 21 in the first half against A&M. Ended up with 29. Uh, probably the best player on the team, although um, a lot of people thought that a guy named Jordan Brown was going to be their best player, but he's been struggling to stay on the court. And um, he's been mysteriously sick the last couple of games. And nobody is not sure whether he's going to return to the team or not. We keep hearing conflicting reports on that. Uh, I'll have to talk to my guy, Mark Gianetta, who uh, used to work for the Post. It covers the Memphis now, I believe. Um, we'll get the scoop on that. But, yeah, Memphis is legit. They're coached by Penny Hardaway. People will remember him. Um, they play wide-open basketball, and – they get after it on both sides. Uh, they certainly do. And they're tough to beat at home. Uh, I don't know what arena they're playing in now. They're, they used to have uh, – somebody said there was a new arena built out there. I, I haven't been to Memphis since Virginia played out there in the early 2000s and played at the Pyramid and uh, got beat by Gonzaga in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But um, – they're they're tough to beat at home. There's no question about that. And they've been playing some high-quality programs in the early season to try to build for their regular season and a run for the NCAA tournament as well. So that, that, that'll be a, a battle. If you stop and look at things, Jerry, uh, after, after Northeastern and, and Memphis, after Memphis, you look at Virginia's schedule. They play Morgan State. They're at Notre Dame, which was struggling mightily early. They've gotten a little better. Uh, Louisville, who has been not very good, at NC State, at Wake Forest, Virginia Tech here, at Georgia Tech, then NC State, Louisville, and Notre Dame again to end up the month of January. So Certainly there'll be some, some tough uh, games in there just because of Virginia's style of play, if nothing else. It allows a lot of teams to play them closer than maybe they should. But um, there's not any real beast on that schedule uh, until the end of January. So this team could make a lot of hay in that that time period. Well said. James Watson watching the program, a UVA graduate. He bleeds orange and blue. We love when James Watson watches the show. He says, this is a topic we talk about from time to time, but I would love to see Charlottesville host an early round of the NC2A tournament. We've got the Darden Hotel now, more hotels than we used to. I'll highlight we also have a conference center. We've got a state-of-the-art arena. Um, he wants me to throw that topic to you potentially hosting an NCAA tournament first round, second round action here in Charlottesville. Your thoughts on that? Be, uh, I, he says it would be a great moneymaker for local businesses. It, it really would be, I, and I think that would be cool. I, I know that 
the argument in the past is that there weren't enough hotel rooms in Charlottesville, but that was there, there's been a influx of hotels here <laughs> like crazy in the past. Hotels everywhere. Five years. Yeah. Um, I don't see that being a barrier anymore. Um, to host a, a, a regional where you're going to have, I mean, you, you, you can only seat 14, a little over 14 in that place. So you can't tell me there's not enough hotels to go around to seat uh, capacity crowds for each one of those rounds of a regional. I, I would love to see it. I think it would be great. Uh, there's, there's a, Venues that are not nearly as nice as Charlottesville and JPJ that have hosted regionals before. So I, I don't know what UVA's interest is in that. Um, I guess you have to bid for those things. I'm not sure how that works, but um, I think it would be exciting for the city to to host a, a regional like that. Amen. James Watson, great question right there. If you had to issue a report card with A's, B's, and C's for Virginia basketball, any C's that you would issue, or so far is it just A's and B's and flying marks for Tony Bennett's bunch? Wow. Um, I definitely don't see any D's or F's on this team right I, I, here. I think, I think if you give them a C and anything, it would have to be rebounding, but uh, that's something that they're working on, and there's nothing they can really do about it except – try to uh, scheme, game plan around it. And, I mean, you got Groves, you got Bond, you got Dunn, who are all really good rebounders uh, for the most part. Uh, the only And, and Buchanan, who's um, only going to get better. Uh, again, we said he, he needs another year in the smokehouse. But uh, I think I – think, uh, he will end up being a beast before he leaves here. But um, if I give him a C in anything, it would probably be re, uh, rebounding right now. Um, who's the rebounder that's going to have to step up on this team, or do you think it's rebound by committee? It's got to be by committee, and I, I think the guards are going to have to be a part of that as well. And a lot of Tony's teams have traditionally had a lot of guards that have rebounded well. Um, I haven't looked at the stats in the last couple of days, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they have a couple of car couple of guards that are among their top rebounders now. But it'll have to be by committee, and it you know it it may hurt them when they go up against bigger teams who are also athletic like Duke and and Carolina. So that's something that you'll have to keep your eye on. And, and if you ask Tony Bennett. It, I don't know if, if he would be giving out grades to his team, but he'll be the first one to tell you that they, even though the schedule doesn't have a lot of, of heavyweights on it until the end of January, um, he believes that they've got to address every game in the same manner. And if they feel like that they're feeling their oats and getting cocky or reading too much in, into the headlines, that, that's setting them up for defeat because he says we, we're we're still walking a very thin line, and if we don't get back on defense and set up, um, let teams have their way with us. If we don't rebound, if we don't focus on every aspect of the game, then we're setting ourselves up for disaster. 
Uh, great question right here from Jennifer, who's watching outside the Nashville, Tennessee area. She says, where does this team stack up with the most athletic that Hootie has covered in his time? That's a tough question. It is a tough question because it's, it's a lot of years. Yeah, 40 plus <laughs> Off years. Off the top of my head. I, uh, a couple of Jeff Jones teams were pretty, pretty darn athletic, um, for sure. Um, a couple of Pete Gillen's teams were, were pretty athletic. Uh, I don't. I don't know that there's been a Tony Bennett team that's been this athletic that I can think of off the top of my head. They've had some uh, some pretty good athletes and stuff, but maybe not a collection of them all at the same time like this. But this might be the most athletic in the Tony Bennett era. I think so. Yeah. Um, A lot of a lot of the Terry Hollins teams, they had some great athletes, but for the most part, uh, weren't up and down, you know, burners uh, like a couple of Jeff Jones teams could get up and down the floor. A couple of Pete's teams could get up and down the floor. Um, but you would again, this season's not over, so we're we're not going to prejudge these guys. But if they continue to play the way they have. Uh, you'd have to argue that this is among the most athletic teams in in my era. Jerry Ratcliffe, guys, dropping dimes here. We're talking basketball. We got football coverage for those that are asking. I promise we'll get to the football team. Um, Do you see them finishing 2023 with just one loss? Uh, I think it all depends on the Memphis game. Uh, Again, you're on the road. You're against a, a a pretty high-caliber basketball program out there that's not used to losing. I mean, they've been in battles just like Virginia has over the years at the top. Uh, that's a tough call. If that game was here, I, I think Virginia would be favored. I think Memphis will probably be favored on the road. So, it, I don't know. It, it's, it's a it's a toss-up uh, to, in my eye. I they they could easily lose that game. They could easily win that game. I, it, it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. James says the team that choked to Syracuse in the Elite Eight was very, very athletic for Virginia men's basketball. It was. Yeah, it was very athletic. That, that might be the most other most athletic team that Tony's had. That Coach Bennett has had. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, viewers and listeners, men's basketball, the upside is bright. Football. The upside is starting to turn bright as well. And the transfer portal right now, if you look at the scales of justice when it comes to the transfer portal in Virginia football, you'd have to say those scales are tilting to the positive side for Tony Elliott and the Virginia football program. And as of this point, the losses have not been nearly as significant, although we just lost a part-time starter in the defensive backfield, as I read on jerryratcliffe.com. The gains have been significant, and the primary gain is a wide receiver that looks like a Washington clone and Chris Tyree, the transfer from Notre Dame. This guy's got the academics. He's got the performance on the gridiron. He's got NIL upside. I mean, you were looking at one of those uh, NIL valuation websites, and I'll let you uh, offer the thunder and the lightning here. This guy's got some uh, some money associated with his his name, image, and likeness, Hootie. He, he does. I mean, I... How much? How much you put into those values? I, I don't know. It's it's, it's hard to it's, say. It's it's so new. It's hard to 
I don't know if anybody else does this or not, but on three, which is the newest of the national sites like 247 Sports and Rivals and, and all that, uh, they're the newest one. I think they were created by maybe the same guys that created those and moved on. But uh, they they have a – I think they're the only people I've ever seen in, in the country that uh, offers up uh, – an NIL evaluation for every player. And um, they, they said that Chris Tyree is, was the number, at least at this point, is the num- was the number 52 player overall in the portal with an NIL value of $293,000. Now, I don't think he's getting that here. Uh, although I, I have been, I have heard that I don't know if it's a donor or several donors have come forward and that Virginia's NIL program is, has been enhanced. Uh, to what degree, I don't know. I'm not privy to that. But uh, I think there's a lot more money to play with now than there was before. Uh, I think that's helped them retain some of the players. They, they, they've lost 12 guys so far. Only two guys really with much starting experience. And so um, I don't think at this point, at least, they, they haven't been hurt by the portal like they were last year and the year before. Chris Tyree is um, a dynamic athlete. Uh, he's a small guy. He's, only, he's just a shade uh, under 5'10", 192 pounds. Um, and this has been proposed to me too, and it makes perfect sense. And I think Tony Elliott has has hit on something here: is that while he may not be getting a lot of players from the state of Virginia through the high school recruiting ranks, he has focused some of his transfer portal recruiting on guys who are from Virginia, went elsewhere, and are coming home. And he feels like that that is another way he can help build this program with Virginia talent. And it makes sense. Uh, Certainly uh, people would like to see him do that in the high school ranks, and uh, I think that's his plan. But a lot of people are thinking, and I'm not saying that that Tony Elliott's thinking this way, but a, a lot of college coaches now are saying we're not not that interested in recruiting the high school kids we're going to go that's bananas and get our players out of the transfer portal because they've already played elsewhere they know what college ball is like they've been in training programs we don't have to develop them as much they're men they're men yeah um that's sad and you know with the money being the way it is uh, they can a lot of people can buy those guys. So, All right, And I'll highlight this. I was reading on uh, ESPN, um, Marvin Harrison Jr., Yes, the wide receiver for Ohio State. His, this, is, this is bananas to say. His NIL value, if he returns for one more year, 20 to $25 million. I, I, according to former Green Bay Packers vice president, and business sports podcaster Andrew Brandt. The amount is roughly $20, 25000000 million for Marvin Harrison Jr. to return for another year and bypass the National Football League draft. 
He can make more money potentially coming back for another year at Ohio State than turning pro, Hootie. Yeah, I don't know if Ohio State would do that. I don't know if any university crazy. would do that. But we're, we're, you know, we thought we'd seen the wild, wild west. I think we're just on the Beginning. surface. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when you have the new NCAA executive director coming on and suggesting that maybe we should just go to a um, a national. Um, not really have conferences per se, but have one big 30 to 40 team bracket. Like almost like a premier league where you pay players a minimum of $30,000 a year or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's more than that. Um, And the schools that don't want to compete at that level can compete at a a lower level and still play some games against those guys. But it's, it's, it's it's getting crazy, and I, I don't know where it's going to end. But um, and like Matt Rule at Nebraska said the other day, you go into the transfer portal market and you want to get a proven quarterback. Well, you're not going to get him for less than a million dollars a year. And if you want a high end quarterback, it's going to cost you two, three million or more. So where's all this headed? I I don't know. It, it seems more like professional football more and more every day. But. I mean, would that then be, Hootie, in that scenario, would that then be the minor leagues of the NFL? Essentially, yeah. It would be the AAA of the NFL. Essentially would be, yeah. And then you would have the league right below that who doesn't have the NIL war chess as A football. Kind of. And then the fans, the truest or the purest, that want to see parity, probably looking at double-A football as your Saturday fun, your Saturday following, with the triple-A. I mean, it's, I just have a hard time even digesting it. It's, it's hard to fathom. Right. I even imagine what But if Ohio what State even, like. if Ohio State even sniffs $20 million for this – incredible wide receiver Harrison Jr. to come back to Columbus and to bypass the NFL, it's, it's, to say it's an unfair advantage is an understatement because 98, I don't even know what the percentage is, 98, 97, 99% of the programs in the nation couldn't, could not do that. No, no way. Or, or even wouldn't even think about it. Or wouldn't even it. think about it. Um, it, it, it. It becomes something I don't even want to, I hope it doesn't do that because I I think that would just, and I don't I, I don't I'm not opposed to players making money. Me either. But um, there's got to be within a parity stratosphere. A, yeah, there's got to be some kind of fairness about it all. And right now it's it's totally out of control. <laughs> it's like the Dr Pepper commercial where the guys are being sucked into the transfer yeah. portal. Right. <laughs> um, but getting back to Tyree, he's he's a, a dynamic athlete. Um, he was a running back for most of his career at Notre Dame and was switched mostly to wide receiver this past year. Um, and he was their top receiver in terms uh, – he had 444 yards um, 
and on 24 receptions, I, I think. Uh, he was their primary kick returner. He's played in 49 games, started 14. Um, this guy's legit. He's legit. I mean, yeah. he, he, he had a 46-yard TD against Southern Cal. Um, he had an 82-yard punt return against Pitt to become the first Notre Dame player since Julius Jones, Thomas Jones' younger brother, to uh, score a touchdown with a, on a punt return, kick return, rushing, and receiving. Um, he was a five-star recruit out of uh, Chester, Virginia, and um, was the number one all-purpose back nationally in high school there. Uh, number one player in the state of Virginia, number 20 overall player in the nation by right. ESPN his senior year. He had over 1,000 yards rushing for the Irish, uh, almost 1,000 yards receiving, three over 3,000 all-purpose yards. So Plus the academics. Pl- yeah. He's, he's, Most importantly, maybe. To Virginia, it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a lot of the guys that they're recruiting out of the portal, um, They've they've all had great academic credentials, and uh, which I'm sure is something that's very important to uh, everyone involved over there. Uh, they di- they just picked up a tight end yesterday, last night from uh, Harvard. Right. Uh, it was all Ivy League two years in a row. Is this Malik Washington reincarnated? Uh, I think he could be. Tyree? I think he could be because... Uh, did they dangle? Look at was- what Washington did when he came from Northwestern here. We'll make you that. I, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they... I don't know if they showed him video or not. They probably did because they can carry the tablets with them. I don't know if he visited here or they did it all by via Zoom or if they flew out to... Or maybe he was home in Chester or maybe they flew out to South Bend. I don't know, but I'm sure he saw some video evidence of of how they could compare in terms of um, possibilities. And, I mean, he's a – size-wise, they're close. Uh, I think Washington's 5'8". Oh, and congratulations to him, by the way. He's making all kinds of All-America teams, second-team All-America AP, which is the big one. Right. And um, it's pretty good for a guy who was held back by – team's record of three and nine because he didn't get the looks that some of these other guys even better considering he had had two quarterbacks yeah including primarily a freshman tossing to him and he was in the first year in the system yeah so Tyree and and Washington are not only alike size-wise they both have good speed uh he's a kid who obviously having been a running back for most of his career there is somebody who once he gets the ball in his hands knows what to do with it so I'd say a lot of similarities in that aspect. Um, so that, that that's pretty encouraging. And I know that Calandria was all over him when he saw Tyree in the portal. Well, I think the news was uh, – we, we knew that the hand was tipped when Calandria goes on social saying, we got him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the coaching he staff – He didn't have to say we got uh, Tyree, but he just said we got him. Yeah, and everyone everybody... was like – Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that that's pretty cool. The, the, like I said, the, and the tight end from Harvard, uh, 6'4", 235. He's, 
He's legit because, and he's also from the state of Virginia. Right. Um, he's legit. I mean, he was, he had offers from UCLA, Colorado, uh, with prime time, uh, Houston, TCU, South Carolina, Boston College. So he's a legit tight end that might be an upgrade at that position. And, um, they got a linebacker from Akron yesterday, or I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Six four two fifteen outside linebacker uh, with some experience. So I, I, I think right now, as opposed to former years, I, I, I think they're probably winning the portal battle right now. And in terms of the last two years, I couldn't say that that they had some good guys come in, but they lost a lot more guys. But this year, it doesn't seem to be that way. They lost. Um, the primary loss right now is that part-time defensive back. Yeah, he started seven games. Um, and that's, uh, you know, you hate, to, you hate to lose a guy like that. But um, just looking at my notes here. Um, the kid from Fort Lauderdale, Dave Florida. Yeah, Dave Harrard. He was. Uh, he had two years of eligibility left. I th- no, he was a senior, uh, cornerback, six foot, had forty tackles, um, seven starts this year. Played in eleven of the twelve games. Played twenty games during his career. Um, that that is the principal guy that they lost. They they lost another kid. Um, gosh. Got so many notes here, I can't can't find it. But um, who has uh, since signed with South Florida? But uh, those are the only two guys really that of any magnitude. The, the other guys are either strictly reserves or didn't play at all, or, or were freshmen and didn't get an opportunity to play. Um, so you can make a very legitimate argument, viewers and listeners, that the portal has been good to Virginia football this year. So far. So far. Um, And perhaps when the athletic department committed to the coaching staff, the coaching staff was able to leverage the portal to its advantage. Um, Now, Keith Campbell's asking this question. It's a a question that everyone's asking. If if the team doesn't win this year, how hot is the seat for the coaching staff? I would think it's very hot. Uh, And, again, it depends on – you have to quantify that a little bit, saying they don't win. If they have another three and nine season, that would probably be disastrous, I would think. If they're uh, six and six, five and seven, seven and five, um, it becomes you have to put it more under a magnifying glass and see what the problem is and can it be corrected or is it something that just takes time. I you know, he, he faced a major rebuild when he got here, even though he had some pretty good offensive talent that never bought into his system or just didn't click or whatever. But um, I think the third year is usually the telling year as to whether you see that this guy can turn the corner or if it's just going to be more of the same. So I, I think next year is, is a very decisive decisive year in terms of um, whether people think that, that Tony Elliott can win here. Jerry Ratcliffe, guys. 
Um, he's easy to host a talk show with. We'll highlight some of the viewers and listeners that watch the show. Jill on Twitter, Nancy Chamley watching the program. Thank you, Nancy, for joining us on Twitter. Um, Wahoo Nation, we spent an hour and 15 minutes with the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, and it's truly our pleasure. Um, closing thoughts, Hootie. What are you going to be watching, football, basketball, basketball-wise, anywhere you want to go? Uh, yeah, you know. What are you working on? Uh, well, we're, we're, we're focusing on trying to uh, upgrade our, our podcast. I think we're, we're, we want to get it to where we have something called a daily drop. And oh, may, nice. It may not be uh, an hour-long podcast, but uh, in some instances we do some long-form interviews with, with some people, but uh, we might have some daily drops of, of shorter length but uh, impactful. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the transfer portal because that's something you got to keep your eye on 24-7 pretty much. Um, high school, early high school signing days in December. Um, then uh, the basketball certainly will start gearing up again this coming weekend and uh, all of it will be pointed toward that Memphis game. That, that's a huge game. That's the biggest game on Virginia's schedule right now between now and and sometime in February. So that, that's going to be something we'll examine. And uh, other than that, it's just business as usual. Jerry Ratcliffe, guys, the star of the talk show. His website, jerryratcliffe.com. Twelve states on today's talk show. The show continues to boom. Um, if you like Virginia sports, JerryRackliff.com, the website for you. I'm on it every single day. Jerry and Scott do a bang-up job covering all the programs and teams, and they churn content at levels that are proficient and engaging. I often go back to the website, and I see a new piece of content, which is gratifying um, as a Wahoo fan. Judah Wickhauer is our director and producer. Uh, my name is Jerry Miller. This show airs on Tuesdays at 10.15 a.m., Right here on this network, the I Love Seville show is up in 58 minutes on this network. Hootie, um, you make it easy. I sincerely mean that. Well, you do too, my friend. Uh, you, you know your stuff. Following your lead, my friend. We got 80-some uh, minutes in the books today. Uh, Goes without by a, fast. Without a commercial break. It's, it's the fastest hour and 20 minutes uh, that I go through every week, right, that's for right. sure. <laughs> I, feel, I feel the same. I feel the same. Thank you kindly for joining us. Um, go Wahoos, and uh, you guys enjoy your Tuesday. Take care.